Hey everyone, I am Farah Kimji and you are listening to the Futura Talks podcast. I believe the future will be built by those who see opportunity where others see uncertainty. It will be built by people that don't look like the traditional leaders of our past, but by women and individuals from diverse backgrounds that see the world differently and who are driven to make it better for all. This podcast will feature these people, self-made leaders and entrepreneurs that defy odds and are motivated to build a better future. We will also share practical advice for how you can unlock your full potential as the leader of your own Futura. Now, let's jump into today's episode. everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Futura Talks. Today I'm very excited to be sitting down in conversation with Amer Rafiq, the co-founder and CEO of Souk, a one-stop shop for real estate and home services across Canada. After a decade of experience consulting and advising Fortune 500 companies around digital transformations, Amer moved into the startup world where he focused on leveraging his digital transformation experience to simplify the home ownership experience for Canadians. Amer founded Souk with the aim to be Canada's only all-in-one real estate and home services marketplace, providing technology and services to help real estate professionals deliver unparalleled client experiences. With over 20,000 unique monthly visits, Souk brings together clients, realtors, mortgage brokers, law firms, inspectors, and associated industry partners to deliver a complete digital experience for their clients' home ownership journey, all in one place. As the real estate space is still near and dear to my heart, I am very excited to be sitting down with Amr today to share his journey to launching Souk. Amr, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate yeah. it. Um, okay, so as as you know, on this podcast, I really like to start by taking things back. So before we get into Souk, I'd love to learn a little bit more about you and you know what you were like as a child and did you always have entrepreneurial dreams? Yeah, for sure. So uh, my uh, childhood actually, um, born in Pakistan, uh, raised up in Saudi Arabia. So I lived in Saudi Arabia and Jeddah for about 14 years. Okay. Uh, not much entrepreneurial um, experience or, um, you know, uh, samples, exposure, samples, yeah. exposure yeah. Uh, in that part of the world. However, mm-hmm. um, because we were, you know, all of my uh, family and extended relatives were living in Pakistan, uh, pretty much every single family member has their own business. Okay. Uh, yeah. You know, whether it comes to retail, whether it comes to clothing, manufacturing, um, and every time in the summer, we would get, you know, two months off. Um, yeah. So the best thing we would do is, you know, uh, spend time with all of our relatives in Pakistan. And uh, there is where, you know, I was really exposed to entre- entrepreneurship to begin with, where my uncles um, and many, uh, you know, cousins uh, were starting their own businesses. They had their own businesses. So I saw sort of the, you know, flexibility having your own business gives you, but at the same time, sort of the um, sense of fulfillment uh, that comes with owning your own business and providing the service that is actually making a difference in the lives of people. So that's really where I think a lot of my, uh, you know, initial 
uh, inspirations came from. Sure. Um, and then back in 2004, when we moved to Canada, uh, you know, I was sort of in the middle of my high school, okay. uh, ended up going to Waterloo uh, to pursue engineering and really focused on software. And just the culture uh, in Waterloo around innovation, entrepreneurship was just so great that I think it really gave me the resources and the connection to, you know, start building on that journey. Sure. And did you, did you always like, know you wanted to go that path? Like as a, as a child where you're like, oh, I want to do something in computers or, you know, what, what was your kind of first thing you thought you would do when you would grow up versus what you ended up doing? <laughs> yeah, that's actually an interesting yeah. question because I always, uh, I'm a big car fan. So I actually okay. wanted to be a mechanical engineer. <laughs> there you go. Okay. And uh, that's what I actually, that was my first choice in Waterloo too. Uh, oh, interesting. Unfortunately, I did not get into that program, but I think it's a good thing. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. I mean, the space that you're in now has really blossomed, right? And so to have skills in that, in that area is obviously, you know, a good thing. So exactly. you end up going to school, you know, for that. And, you know, tell us kind of, you, you go through the program at Waterloo. Waterloo. And then what was kind of the first job that you landed outside of school? Yeah, so I think that program was also really interesting. It's called Management Engineering. And Waterloo okay. is the first university across Canada that really started that program. Mm. And the reason they came up with that program is they saw a lot of engineers were working in the field with a lot of engineering and core, you know, um, science and uh, sort of engineering principles, but they did not have a lot of management or business uh, acumen or skill set. So really, that's what that program was. It sort of combined a lot of business principles with engineering. And I thought it was a great fit when I got that offer. Yeah, um, I think it's 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 quite amazing, actually. Like I was in the business program at McMaster and we had a few engineers taking a similar program that probably came after the, the Waterloo one. Um, and, you know, so, you know, they kind of felt a little lonely sometimes in our classes, but I thought it was just such a genius combination of, you know, programs to be put together because you're right. Like, you know, often engineers have great ideas. They know how to solve problems and, and those skills are highly applicable in business. Um, but to, to marry the two so that you can actually start a business based off of what, you know, engineering feats you're, you're accomplishing is quite impressive. Right. So, Absolutely. you know, what a great program for you to have gone through. Yeah, for sure. And I think um, all throughout like my co-op experiences, um, as well as like, you know, when you do a capstone project. Yeah. So I remember. Uh, I remember I capstone. Yeah. 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 It, it was a really fun oh, project. And uh, we'd actually built a uh, a really impressive uh, prototype for uh, an online marketplace that brings together, you know, all of your ebooks that, uh, well, at that time, ebooks weren't even as popular. So this was like before like a Kindle yeah. even or okay. Exactly. Even before yeah. a Kindle. So this would yeah. be an app that would run across, you know, any iPad or Android device. It brought sort of all of the books together in one place. It brought sure. together all of the assignments. It brought together all of the, you know, uh, scores that university students would sort of uh, keep track in different places. Uh, and I remember when we worked on that Capstone project, we got some really good feedback. Uh, but to your point, I, you know, I never thought when I was just graduating from university that, you know, I would actually go into the entrepreneur entrepreneurship journey. Yeah. Uh, before I had graduated, because I had a lot of uh, co-ops with different types of companies, um, mm -hmm. I had an offer from Deloitte uh, as part of their tech consulting even before I graduated. So I didn't really have the opportunity to pursue that further. But if I think about it right now, I think that would have been a great market because there were some really cool 
uh, startups that evolved from Waterloo that really went into that space and that yeah. you know, made it pretty big. Uh, well, you never know, right? Like I still have some biz- this business idea from my MBA, which I, you know, finished back in 2013. And I'm like, I look, I, I dust it off sometimes. I'm like, this is still a good idea, but we'll, we'll see. And obviously that space that you were in is saturated now, but there's still like still so much room, right? For it to, to, to grow. So, okay. So you end up taking this program and then, you know, I assume kind of start or launch into your corporate career. So what was that first job that you ended up taking? Yeah. So it was really a technology. Was it the one with Deloitte? Yeah, yeah, it was okay, a technology yeah. consulting offer with Deloitte. So I was uh, pretty technical and hands-on, I think, for the first uh, five years where I was really involved in a lot of, um, you know, consulting-related hands-on technology implementations. So we did a lot of cool projects, ERP projects, you know, digital transformation projects, uh, revenue assurance projects. So I, I had the fortune of working across so many different industries. Mm-hmm. And I think what was consistent across every single implementation was how sort of technology was being used to make a difference in people process uh, as part of the corporate, uh, you know, implementations. Mm, yeah. So, you know, worked at Deloitte for a few years, got a really good offer from PwC um, as part of their, uh, you know, technology consulting practice. So I went over to PwC, phenomenal culture, uh, amazing clients, uh, got to do a lot more uh, digital and tech implementations. And really after, I want to say seven, eight years of consulting, mm-hmm. uh, during that whole time, you know, actually while I was in university and yeah. while I was doing my job, uh, because my, you know, uh, the situation in our family was like my dad was working uh, back in Saudi Arabia and then he had to move to UAE <clears throat> and my mom and my immediate family and siblings were here. So they were, you know, they were traveling a lot of back and forth. Yeah. Uh, but my dad was in, you know, involved in a lot of real estate investments in Canada. Okay. I was sort of the go-to person, the child who would, you know, be managing all. You the were work. the presence here, kind of. Okay. Yeah. 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 Got it. Okay. So during that whole time, I was involved in a lot of real estate transactions, and you know, we'll we'll get a little bit deeper into it. That's yeah. a lot of the inspiration of identifying the gaps in in real estate and sort of leveraging the digital tech experience that I had built over the last uh, mm. seven years. The first startup uh, that I actually, you know, worked on, uh, it's called Exis Labs, okay. where um, really focused on RPA, AI analytics. Uh, that was, you know, it was blowing up uh, at that and, and were you doing that while you were still at PwC or was that what you were doing like after? after you left PwC before starting? Well, I was still, I was still working for PwC as a okay. consultant, as a contractor. Yeah. And I had started this, it, it was, okay. you know, yeah. uh, a few friends sort of got together, saw a very niche market. Yeah. I always love a uh, good side hustle. So yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So that, that's how it started. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't go too far. We did create a good prototype. We took it to market, but you know, working through startups, you learn so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it was just too niche of a product. It required a lot continuous and a lot of investment in product sure um and uh, when we took it to market you know the the kind of feedback that we got we quickly understood that continuing to invest in this product wouldn't be sort of uh, the best use of uh, of our time and, and resources so yeah. at that time then we stopped uh, uh you know that particular yeah product. 
So, you know, what's so interesting though, and I think it's, it's a great lesson for anyone thinking of, you know, pursuing an idea or getting into entrepreneurship is the best way to learn is to just actually go out and do it. Right. And you'll get the most feedback that way. So obviously with this first venture, you know, you put yourself out there, you learned a lot and, you know, ultimately I wouldn't even say, oh, just because it didn't take off. Like you, you learn what not to do. You learn what to do. You got, you got really good feedback and it yeah. just sets you up better for the next thing. Right. 100%. 100%. Especially, I, I, you know, I'm a big believer in if you want to fail, you fail fast and you learn and you pivot. And fail forward. Yeah. Fail exactly. fast, fail forward, pivot, like be ready. And, and I think those are all really good lessons in entrepreneurship, right? Like you can't stay stuck for too long or stay down about <laughs> an idea not working out because before you know it, the next thing is there and, you know, ready for you to, to jump into. So, okay. So tell us then what's, you know, you, you're working on this side hustle, you're at PwC and you, you gave us a little bit of a flavor of, you know, why you started thinking a bit more about the real estate, real estate space, having worked with your dad and, and kind of some of the investments he had. So what really, you know, inspired this idea for Souk and, and, you know, what made you decide to leave PwC then to, to pursue it full time? Yeah. So um, e even between, <clears throat> you know, Souk and Excess Labs, there's actually another startup that I was. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Look, we've got a serial <laughs> entrepreneur here. <laughs> yeah. So you see, one of the great things that came out of Excess Lab is um, you know, the CEO of Metal Network, you know, found me on LinkedIn. He saw the experience that I really had with technology integration because at Access Lab, there's a lot of focus on integrating ERPs live into product systems, okay. uh, with continuous inventory. So, you know, I uh, got involved with Metal Networks as their CTO, uh, worked there for two years in terms of uh, building a, a AI-based metals marketplace that okay. really helps buyers and sellers uh, find the right products. Okay. Because yeah. uh, unlike, you know, ordering a simple product on Amazon, metals have so many different um, attributes, shorthands. Sure. So to find something from on the metal side in terms of unfinished products, quite difficult. So Metal Network was really this uh, AI-based NLP search engine that really helped match uh, buyer requirements to seller inventories in real time. Okay. Uh, and that's really where a lot of, uh, you know, my learnings on marketplaces, uh, in terms of the B2B SaaS world, yeah. all those came. Uh, and after two years sort of working with Metal Networks, uh, you know, it was just sort of pre-pandemic, uh, uh, early in 2020, when, you know, uh, myself and uh, others that, you know, started Souk uh, really came up with this idea where we saw the big gaps in real estate. Um, mm -hmm. I've personally also gone through my own transactions. So, you know, I was obviously supporting my dad with a lot of these transactions, but then I started my own investments where, you know, buying pre-construction condos mm -hmm. and same things uh, sort of started to happen that, you know, that repeated pattern, uh, that big technology gap that was even further, I would say, enhanced because of COVID people that yeah. were buying and selling at that time were going through a lot of challenges. And that's really when I decided to move into uh, Souk full-time. Wow. So, you know, what I love about this is, you know, you got that exposure to a marketplace business, which is unique in and of itself, right? Because it's a two-sided market, you know, marketplace and that's, that's what it is, but there's two challenges and two problems and two customer sets that you're trying to solve for, right? And it's not as easy as just solving one problem for one side of the market and finding the right business model to, to really support uh, a marketplace. So it's really great exposure, I think, to, to get. 
that. And then, you know, being able, and I love this with entrepreneurs, right? And especially engineers. And then maybe even your experience with, you know, um, Deloitte and PwC, where really your skill set can be applied to any industry, right? Um, and your ability to see a problem that exists in one industry, you're like, well, then this exists here too. So I, I think, you know, what I'm hearing is you said, well, okay, look, I now have this marketplace experience. I have the digital transformation experience. Real estate is severely lacking. There's a lot of mm -hmm. gaps. There's not really a good flow or synergy with between all the parties that are transacting together in a real estate deal. And you got that exposure by, you know, a, your own problem, which is often the best place to start when starting exactly. a business is like having mm -hmm. a problem that you had to solve for yourself or others that you're like, this could really be done better. So I guess that's what that'd inspired an, the idea for, for the business. 100%. So tell us like, you know, in your words, a little bit more about Souk now. I know, I know a bit, but I'd love to hear from you, you know, about what it is you do and, you know, the clients you have and the types of companies you serve and I, and really what the key problem is you're trying to help them. Yeah. And, and you nailed it with regards to, you know, really what influenced and what got me here. Mm -hmm. um, I think the, the core of what we're trying to solve with Souk is really uh, simplifying that home ownership experience, which is, like you said, uh, dispersed across a lot of parties, a lot of steps, uh, challenges when, you know, first time homeowners are, you know, even thinking about getting into that first home, you know, leaving aside market conditions, uh, inflation, interest rates, all of those things at this time, just thinking about, you know, uh, let, let's step back to when we were buying our first home, uh, right? The kind of stresses that you go through, the things that you have to worry about. And then a lot of times you don't have that guidance or that network to help you with every stage, right? In terms of finding the right vendors, uh, in terms of coordinating between all of them, because uh, it really is a series of steps. It's, it's a lot of work. It can be like a full-time job, right? Just to close on a transaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So there's a lot know, of stress, right? Like this is the biggest purchase that anyone is going to make in their lifetime. Uh, the most amount of money they're ever going to spend likely yeah. until they upgrade their home. But it's, so it's a big deal. Exactly. And, and that's just it, right? Connecting with the right people, collaborating with people more efficiently, and then being able to sort of you know, manage that post ownership uh, experience because mm. you don't, you know, you don't, your challenges with your home doesn't end when you buy a home. Then you have new challenges as a home, yeah. right? So really that's what we're solving at Souk. Uh, every step of the home buying and ownership journey, we're simplifying in one digital platform. So if you're looking to buy, you're looking to sell, you can basically go through one platform that helps you connect with verified and vetted professionals. It helps you collaborate with everyone in one place. So everything from scheduling, document management, contracting, videos, uh, keeping you know track of all of the steps that are required, understanding what that journey is like, and then actually being able to get a mortgage, you know, do a full virtual closing, find inspectors, find movers, pay them. All of that has sort of been built into Souk uh, to basically streamline that experience, Souk to nuts. And then yeah. post transaction, once you go into your home, you know, typically people want to, you know, do some painting, do some renovations. So we've built that entire network into Souk, 35 plus different categories. Wow. If you're, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to pause you there. For What I love about this is like normally when you are, you know, playing this space, you, you've got multiple platforms or people exactly. who are playing, like who play a part in this role. Like I haven't really seen, yes, there's lots of 
you know, real estate tech companies out there now, but not usually they're just doing one part of that puzzle, right? Like there may be, there's the um, brokerage side of it. There is the home services side of it at the end, or there's the, you know, closing of the transaction side of it, but to have this sort of end to end, you know, start to finish kind of, and then ongoing, right. As you're, as you're a homeowner is really, really unique. So I think, you know, like really, I personally would use something like this. And I think a lot of people would, right. Because they're like, if I can just go on one platform and do this whole thing and it's, you know, it's all there for me. And I'm assuming all your documents get stored, you know, in some way. And so, yeah, tell us maybe a little bit more about kind of the, what the user experience is like for a homeowner. Yeah. So uh, the homeowner experience, again, uh, to go to souq, S-O-U-Q-H dot C, I would definitely encourage people to go check it out. It takes less than 60 seconds to sign up. Okay. Um, they can start their entire journey by themselves. So you can go sign up, you can find realtors, you can check out their storefronts, their reviews, sort of where they've done transactions, find the right professionals. Or, you know, if you're interested in talking to multiple, you could do that too on our platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you find the right professionals, like you said, you could basically go through the whole journey on the same platform in terms of contracting with them, signing documents, storing all the documents. Uh, you know, you can find mortgage brokers, get a full approval through our platform um, once you're approved. And again, all of these documents pertaining to the tra- transaction, I think one thing that I personally found a lot of times challenging was coordinating the documents between all these people. So with Souk, everything is in one place. And the people that are supporting the transaction have access to that shared repository of documents by clients. Based on whatever their rights are for whatever documents they need to see. Yeah, exactly. So they would see the name of the document, but if they want to request access, they'll have to go in and request access. And then the document owner can go in and approve access. So once the realtor uploads the APS, you know, the mortgage broker gets a notification. Once the mortgage broker goes in and uploads their you know, approval of the funding, the legal team that's supporting that transaction, they get a notification. And all they have to do is just go in and request access. They can see each other. They can message each other on the platform. They can talk to each other. So it really makes that coordination for that particular transaction really easy and simple because otherwise it's all happening over emails. Yeah, And and you can see it all. You have a history of it, I'm Mm -hmm. assuming, versus like, oh, I think I found this in some email over here. And then this document was in this email. And this person wasn't CC'd. Like we all know the issues that happen, yeah. right? Yeah. Exactly. And the worst thing you want is on the day of closing, you know, be chasing around your lawyers, lawyers yeah. chasing around realtors, this document is missing. So I, I think all of those challenges can really be, um, you know, alleviated if everyone's just using one platform to do a lot of that coordination. And, and that's really, I think what Souk does really well, brings everyone together in one place mm-hmm. and streamlines the whole operation. And to your point, you know, uh, virtual closing. So Lawyers are actually using our platform to do full virtual closings, uh, including, you know, being able to uh, video conference with clients while they're doing all of the e-signatures. And yeah. once the virtual closing is done, um, you know, you can find your movers, you can get quotes from multiple movers, you can pay them directly on the platform. And one thing which I really like is every time <clears throat> a homeowner is using Souk to pay a vendor, mm-hmm. we actually give them a credit back right. that they can use for the next service. Yeah. So I closed my home with Souk. Maybe I paid the property inspector. Maybe I paid the law firm, my closing fee, or any other people that were involved in the transaction. I now have a credit that when I move into my home, I can actually use it towards, you know, cleaners. Home services. Home yeah. services. 
And that continues to build every time they use the platform. Again, it's free to use. They find the right people. And every time they use it, it helps them save towards their next. Yeah, I think it's so, so amazing. I mean, the fact that it's a free to use for the homeowner is is quite you know, quite a great offering, like whether you use it or not, you can at least go search and play around and see if it's right for you. And so because it's a marketplace, obviously, then the providers and the service providers that are on there, um, they're obviously paying, you know, to be on there. So tell us about, you know, sort of their fee structure or SaaS based fee that they pay. Yeah. Yeah. So really the the value proposition that we see for all of these vendors that are providing services, uh, again, they also struggled with providing a digital experience to their clients because everything was really over phone calls, emails, messages. So I think number one, Souk really digitizes that experience and brings their teams together. Uh, But apart from that, realtors and others that are actively using the platform, we're hearing back, you know, 10 to 15 hours a month in terms of time savings. Wow. All of the technology that they typically use to support transactions is built in. So a lot of them are actually saving money by using one platform mm-hmm. that you know brings all of this together. And then we also have a concierge service when they onboard their clients, you know, they can actually pass them on to our onboarding team. And a lot of the initial type of questions that, uh, you know, these service providers have and their clients have can be supported by our team. Uh, and then really the one of the biggest things within a marketplace is that network effect, right? Where, you know, the other day we had a, a new realtor join the platform. And they're like, hey, I'm just new to real estate. I don't have, you know, mortgage brokers that I know. I don't have a lot of, you know, law firms that I know. And this is a great place for me to be able to buy my own search, yeah. search and grow my network and recommend yeah. those to my clients and still be sort of that, you know, pivotal advisor as a realtor because, a lot of times your clients are going to rely on the realtor to mm-hmm. give them recommendations for sure. everyone yeah. that they need throughout their journey. Right? I mean, I absolutely, when I did my first transaction, <laughs> I, you know, started with the realtor, that person then, you know, found me a mortgage broker as well as the lawyer. Right. And I just didn't even bother. I just trusted the realtor enough to just say, let's do it. And mind you, everything was very physical. Like, you know, when I met with the lawyer, it was in person, yeah. it, we closed in person, like, a lot of things, this was a while back, were done in person other than like DocuSign, you yeah. know, to, 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 you know, do some of the agreements. But even with the lawyer, like the lawyer wasn't even using DocuSign for stuff, right? Like I had to go in person. So yeah. that's, it's quite powerful, but I yeah. love, I love the network effect, right? Because I'm assuming there's like mm-hmm. a review based system as part of this too. So it's a good place for a realtor service provider to build up their brand you know, and, and whatnot and, and get noticed. And I'm, I'm, I think you also mentioned to me in a conversation before that there is an opportunity for realtors in the future to, or not just realtors, any service providers to pay for, you know, advertisements on the platform for their, for their services as well. Yeah. Um, we have the ability to run marketing campaigns on our platform. So, uh, really where that came from is, you know, you may also be receiving a lot of these brochures in your mail for, you know, realtors telling you about, mm-hmm. hey, you need to buy, you know, buy a new property, sell a new property. Oftentimes, a lot of the marketing that is happening is not landing in the right places mm-hmm. and not targeted appropriately to the demographic that's actually in the market looking to buy or sure. connect with the right people, right? So because when we bring on home buyers and owners to our platform, we actually collect some of their data. Again, it's optional, Mm -hmm. but that gives us the ability to help, you know, service providers target the right demographic that they're looking to get in front of, and then be able to appear as featured 
when they're looking for a particular, you know, realtor in Oakville that specializes in detached houses in a particular mm. you know, value or a, a range of, you know, the house, realtors have the ability to now rank higher to those specific potential yeah. clients as opposed to, uh, you know, not being able to get in front of that client, right? Yeah, so, and it's now a more qualified lead for them, essentially. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And, and to your question earlier, like the, you know, the the, the revenue model, again, it's mm -hmm. a B2B SaaS subscription. We also have a freemium tier for people that just want to come onto the marketplace and then have their digital presence because you'll be surprised a lot of realtors and other service providers today do not have their own yeah. website. Yeah. They have no social media. They have no online presence. And uh, they're not searchable even. Yeah, they're not searchable online, yeah. right? 88% yeah. of millennials, when they did their transaction last year, when they chose to go with a realtor, they went and looked at their online profile. And if they were not able to find them or they did not see a good profile, yeah. they go with them, right? Yeah. So imagine the people that don't have this presence are losing out on so much business. Wow, this is this is quite a powerful tool. And so tell us a little bit, you know, before I get into how it's been going and, and you know, you know, you you kind of entered a space where there are some already established players there, right? Like in, in parts of the business that you're doing. Um, so what motivated you or what made you sort of feel like you could enter this space? And, you know, uh, even though there's a lot of competition and especially within real estate and real estate marketplaces and services, you know, how did you guys decide to enter and, and what do you really feel is your differentiating factor? Yeah. So I think the differentiating factor, uh, two things. <clears throat> Number one, you know, PropTech has definitely been growing all across Canada. Over the last two years, 200 plus PropTech companies were formed in Canada. Yeah. But I, I think don't... the core difference that we still saw was, to your point, the customer is still seeing emails, phone calls, messages, mm -hmm. and maybe some e-sign, uh, you know, coming. Yeah. Through. That's what one of our investors literally said. Look, I bought my home 15 years ago. And then when I did my next transaction, the only thing that I saw difference uh, was e-sign introduced. Everything else was the same in terms of challenges, right. coordination. So really what motivated us to start Souk is how can we make the customer experience different, mm -hmm. right? And that's why as customers, you can actually go on to Souk. It's a full platform, spend a lot of time uh, building that portal for customers to be able to manage that entire journey with their home. Mm -hmm. I think that's a big differentiator. Yeah, I think I think too, right? Like <laughs> as much as real estate, you know, everyone has some interaction with real estate in some way. It it is traditionally been a more you know conservative traditional business, right? With yeah. sort of this is how we do things. This is how we've always done it. There's no real reason or impetus to need to change. And then in the last few years that that started to change, and yeah. then with COVID, it just completely exactly. got accelerated. Where it's like we can no longer not have di like, you know, digital presence, digital platforms, virtual platforms. And we saw all of those, you know, pop up very quickly, actually. Um, but as much as there's a lot of players, they're not, there's not a lot of established players <clears throat> really doing things in a different way. I, I remember when I did my first transaction, I guess it was like 2013 and, you know, it felt like you were very much at the mercy of like, the, the, the providers like that the bank had all the power that the broker yeah. had the power like you know and as the customer you didn't feel like you had agency like you were you were the you were just kind of like 
you know, whatever they told you, you just went with. Now I think there's so much more transparency, right? Because people are going online, they're doing their own searches. They're looking on Google, they're comparing and contrasting realtors. They're doing, they're doing all this work, but now they're doing like almost too much work online to like figure out, you know, what's the right path for them. So you've come into a place where there was a, a need for more digital tools and presence and but also streamlining the process so that people, you know, aren't having to go to 17 different websites to just find the right providers for them. Right. Um, and I think there's so much space to, to grow and even grow your, your offering too, right? Like, obviously this is, this is the core product, but you know, there'll be so many adjacent markets, um, for you to get into as well. Yeah. And to your point, it, it is definitely an established place, uh, space in terms of all of the others that are providing services. Mm-hmm. But I think the cool thing, given that we're a marketplace is we work with all of those vendors and we're open to, you know, integrating yeah. new partners. So for example, with home deposits, right? So we partnered with a company called home deposits now where you can get your home deposit in, you know, in under five minutes. And you can actually do that through Souk. Wow. Uh, there's a lot of innovation that's happening within the fintech space. So you're looking for mortgage brokers. We partner with Perch, for example. So Perch yeah. is still on Souk. You can find them. You could go through your whole journey with, with Perch. Same thing on the you know uh, legal side. There are a lot of um, you know companies that are innovating in that space. So whoever is, is there, we're not saying that, hey, you only have to go through Souk. We're saying you can come here to find everyone that you want. It's, yeah. You even if you're just place. sourcing exactly. from here. Yeah. yeah. Which then, is the beauty of a marketplace, right? Um, so yeah, like tell us a little bit about that, you know, what it's like to actually build a marketplace versus, you know, and I know you had some experience with it before, but yeah. obviously, um, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a different beast, so to say, to yeah. tackle than your typical, you know, type of, you know, um, digital platform. So tell us about that and why you think, you know, the marketplace is the right, um, way to go for, you know, for your business. Yeah. So I think we can, we can definitely see, uh, how marketplaces in history have been successful with, you know, a lot of great examples, uh, Amazon to name one of them and many others. And we can see, especially over the last few years, how, you know, consumer behavior has really changed to adopting these digital tools and especially marketplaces, right? Uh, They've become so common where you don't have to go through so many places to find something. You can just come to one place and, you know, in a few clicks, what you need is, you know, at your doorstep. So the same idea, you know, uh, on our side, I think a fun fact, Souk actually means marketplace. So a lot yeah, of I mean, I've been know... to a Souk, you know, in, in, um, actually when I was in Dubai. Yeah. Okay, there you go. The gold yeah. Souk, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, you have to go to the gold Souk when you're in Dubai for sure. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So again, the inspiration, uh, behind our name also came from the fact that we are building a marketplace mm. and that was really what we saw very unique in terms of number one. Uh, a lot of marketplace emergence across, you know, global tech um, realm. And we're seeing, you know, companies like Amazon and so many other sort of really making that customer experience so much easier from start to end. They can order something and it's, you know, at their doorsteps, you know, in some cases in a few hours and in some cases, you know, the next day. Um, And same thing in, in real estate, you'll see, you know, different ups and downs, maybe in a particular category in the housing market, in home services, but really the benefit of a marketplace is if you're looking to lease, you can find realtors 
-hmm. if you're looking to buy you can find people if you're looking to sell you can find people and if you just own a home and you're looking for any type of vendor you can find them right so i i think building a marketplace uh, definitely has its own challenges but i think it was definitely the right model for us to build because what we were trying to do is really bring everyone together in one place and you can't really do that without having an a an open marketplace yeah and a question though you know i've worked with a few companies who have built sort of marketplaces or two-sided you know um kind of transactions and there can be some challenge like there's a bit of the chicken and the egg problem of like okay we have all these realtors on here now but we don't have any homeowners or vice versa so how have you navigated obviously you're still going through that but how are you navigating that challenge yeah, I think the chicken and egg problem is one of the co most common ones that we've seen in marketplaces. But I think uh, one of the benefits that we have with Zurich is it's not just a place where service providers can come and find new clients, but they can actually onboard their own clients to provide them that digital experience. Right? So if I'm the mortgage broker, if I'm the realtor, I can actually invite my existing clients to Sue so that they have that overall digital experience. And as they do that, now these clients actually have other referrals that these you know realtors can help uh, recommend to them and and like you also mentioned from your own experience sort of every realtor has their own rolodex of preferred you know mortgage brokers law firms so that's how we're building out the supply side on the marketplace by basically tapping into existing networks of realtors and mortgage brokers because these tend to be the gatekeepers of transactions when they're starting and then on the you know uh, on the flip side, on, on the demand side, obviously, these people are bringing in their own clients, but at the same time, we're doing a lot of organic focus on bringing in net new clients. So when we started Souk uh, back in November last year, um, we were getting like about a thousand visits uh, mm -hmm. to our website marketplace on a monthly basis. Uh, as of this month, that's, you know, increased to 20,000, right? Wow. So a lot of organic traffic again through, you know, a lot of the investments that we're making on the B2C side. But to your point, one of the things that, you know, we were doing before, uh, we, through our marketing, we were trying to focus on both, you know, the B2B side and the B2B, B2C side. And it was becoming very challenging because it's not that we only focus on realtors, right? We have 40 different categories. So B2B across 40 different types. Yeah. Of it's not and just then, one. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. And it, and to really deliver on the value that you guys are trying to give, you need everybody on there, exactly. right? But what or, we did... or not everybody, eventually everyone, but yeah. like to start at least a few, few people that can at least close the transaction together, right? Yeah, exactly. So what we did is through marketing, we exclusively focus only on B2C now. So every... Thing, marketing is really B2C focused and we you know ramped up our sales team to really focus on the B2B side so our sales enablement is really focused on building up the supply and then right. marketing is really focused on bring building up you know the uh, B2C side of things and I think one thing that really worked well for us is initially we were going directly to uh, service providers like realtors mortgage brokers we're still doing that but now we've sort of changed the strategy where we're going directly to like real estate boards and associations mm -hmm. and, and 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 through some really good uh, strategic partnerships uh, we're working with nine out of the 36 boards in Ontario right now where yeah. we're able to reach out to thousands of you know realtors bring them onto our platform through you know different types of uh, partnership agreements that we're having with these boards and then really use their networks to grow Souk. Sure. So I think, you know, uh, we've come to a good point right now where building the supply 
is not a challenge. We're actually investing in automation now because we have almost 3,000 vendors that are on our wait list that we need to onboard. Wow. We've just completed This is, this is a very good problem to have, but I love yeah. that you've said like, look, we can't do this one-to-one. -one. We'll find a way to scale yeah. and, and bring on more realtors at once and then automate that entire process, right? Exactly. Yeah. But what I love about this, you know, what's great about a marketplace is that it really focuses on the customer experience, yeah. right? And so you're solving a problem that many customers have. And that's what's unique is like being able to come to a one-stop shop and in real estate. And, and I alluded to it earlier, like as much as obviously the customers that the heart of the transaction, because they're the ones putting out the money, the journey was never really focused around them. Right. It was always the lawyer's timeline or the banker's timeline or the realtor's timeline. Um, and so now putting everybody together, a just, you know, creates a more collaborative approach yeah. with the customer in mind, right? Like this service is 100%. free for customers. And so I really love it. I think, you know, I think it's a genius Thank idea you. and you guys are just, you know, in the earlier stages, but obviously yeah. have had some, some good traction already, you know, with 3000 yeah. vendors in the queue, um, you know, that's, that's, that means you're doing something right. So yeah, for sure. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I think across all the categories. So I think we have close to 500 vendors that are live on the platform right now across sort yeah. of every single category uh, that we have. Okay. Um, and like I said, about 3000 in queue that we're waiting to onboard. Um, and, uh, you know, we're seeing a lot of good traffic, even on the uh, on the website where a lot of people are coming and, and searching for these type of transactions. I think the other day I was looking at, you know, how many transactions we've supported over 500 transactions. So connecting people, wow. you know, doing those transactions in, I want to say less than a year, which I think is is great for a, an early stage startup in terms of being able to support that type of absolutely uh, you know, right and you know just the fact that you're so early stage yet you've had that you know now think about it once you've optimized your seo you're showing up on every search you are you know people know about you that exposure is there you know we've talked about even you know raising additional funds to help you scale yeah. and 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 you know really in, invest on the marketing side of your business right and so it's, it's very exciting. I mean, we're probably going to have to have you back in a few years to update us on, on, you know, where Souk will be, but what, what, what's next for Souk? Tell us, you know, what you see the next sort of, you know, short-term and longer-term future for your business. Yeah, for sure. So right now, I think we're really focused on the Ontario market, okay. uh, but really our goal, uh, you know, as we, like you mentioned, raise our next capital uh, funding round. Uh, we want to be able to accelerate and scale at a much quicker pace. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's really where I think that funding uh, and additional network will will support us. Uh, we're planning to launch in BC uh, early next year uh, and then in, in Alberta uh, mid to late uh, next year. So entering two new markets. Um, we we do believe we're sort of at the sort of place where we're, you know, hitting that product market fit with our audience. Uh, so we're also going to be investing in product and building out a, a mobile app uh, because, you know, that's where a lot of customers are more accustomed to, you know, using those type of platforms. So mm -hmm. even though our current platform is fully mobile optimized, it's still a web application, right? So you don't have an app on your mobile that you can download. So I think con continuing to, you know, grow our teams, uh, continuing to invest uh, in product and entering new markets is really what uh, 2023 is going to be all about for us. Okay, awesome. And, um, you know, I like to ask, like, obviously, you know, building a business is not easy. Um, so if you were to go back and start your entrepreneurial journey again, like, is there anything that you would do differently? 
Yeah, so to your point, building a business is not easy. A lot of startups fail. Uh, so I think uh, one of the things we talked about earlier is, you know, don't spend a lot of time in that initial, you know, product that you want to build. Uh, get to an MVP, take it to market. See how the market reacts. Because a lot of times, you know, we have a sense of what we think will work. Yeah. Uh, but until it's not out there and you're not getting feedback from actual users and not just, you know, the initial that you're doing in your proof of concept and your prototype stage, but stare in front of hundreds and thousands of people, you won't really know what's sticking, what's not sticking. So as early as possible, uh, you know, take your prototype to market, uh, okay. see what aspects are really working, which ones are not working, and then pivot quickly and and focus on the ones that you think are really driving traction. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end, you know, making sure that that core focus has to remain, I think, uh, throughout the journey. Um, even for us, you know, there are spaces in commercial uh, real estate, in, in pre-construction, in, in so many spaces. Um, so initially we were thinking, hey, maybe we can do it all. We can start with all yeah. of those. But then we said, okay, let's just really focus on residential at this point. And then once we're doing really well in residential, then we can, you know, expand to commercial and then we can even, you know, go to pre-construction, for example. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that you sort of say that because a, I think the first part about the MVP, right. Getting something out there, because sometimes as founders, we fall in love with our ideas and we just think they're the best thing. And then you share them with a few people and you get some feedback. You're like, no, no, it's still good. But until you actually have customers who will use it, who will pay for it, who you right. right. Then you really aren't in business. You're sort of got, you've got this like great idea. Yeah. And then I, I think that, um, you know, that focus is so like, so important because even myself, sometimes I just find that, you know, I'm always like, Oh, I could do this. I could do this. I could do that. And then sometimes you end up doing nothing because you're so overwhelmed by all the opportunities. And as founders, you know, we're like that. We're always seeing what's next on the horizon. We're like, here's another application. Here's another application of how we can, you know, scale this business, but to actually execute, implement, and get things off the ground is the key, right? Because then you actually build the credibility to then be able to go into those spaces, right? And then you've got a platform that's fully built that then you just tweak for the next um, market, right? Or next um, geography or whatever it may be. Um, So, you know, what advice would you give to our listeners who might be considering, you know, an entrepreneurial journey of their own or endeavor or business idea, whatever it might be? Do you have any advice for them? Yeah, for sure. I would say, you know, go for it. Uh, number one, <laughs> Don't, a lot of times, you know, there are a lot of um, personal and external factors that um, don't allow people to go in and pursue those ideas. But I would, you know, I started this after maybe eight or nine years in my professional career, you know, going back to that first idea I had, for example, if I had pursued that right from university, uh, you know, I think I would be in a very different place right now. I would definitely say pursue your dreams. Um, A lot of people have ideas, but I think it's really important to surround yourself with the right people who can help you execute, right? Mm -hmm. So obviously I'm sharing the story behind Soup, but we have a fantastic team that's really helped us get to where we are today. And I think if it wasn't for our team, our advisors, and the people that we surrounded ourselves with, we would definitely not be here today, right? So, you know, have the courage to pursue your ideas, surround yourself with the right people. And I think in the end, I want to say have the right intentions, because I'm a firm believer where, you know, if your intentions are good, 
then seed mm-hmm. and things will work out right and our intentions are really to help simplify a lot of challenges that everyone across you know that's going through that home journey has so i think because that intention is good we have the right folks we have the right team i do think that this is something that you know we'll give our best shot to yeah i love that and i think sometimes we we're we're afraid or scared to just get started. And so these ideas that we have kind of die on a page or right, or stay in our head and they never come to fruition. But I always say, if you have this idea for a business and it's, it's coming from a good place, then there's likely a need for it out there, right? Like if you, you believe in it, there's someone else who will believe in it. And you know, your job as an entrepreneur is really to bring it, bring it to life and stay true to yourself. I think sometimes we pursue businesses that we're like, okay, well, this will make us a lot of money, but we have no passion behind it. We don't really love the problem we're trying to solve. And, and then it just, you know, ultimately isn't very successful. Right. Um, so I love that you are, you know, you're like just following your, your voice, your intuition, you're following your, your, um, you know, this path and, you know, really trying to solve a problem that so many people experience. Right. Um, and I think that's really important is to like fall in love with the problem that you are trying to solve. Right. Um, so I love that. And, and to your point, uh, you know, sometimes it doesn't feel like work. Uh, like, you know, yeah. we started to, and just a few months before that, I had my first baby, right? So you can imagine the first year as being, you know, um, a parent is is not easy, uh, especially when it's your first first one. Yeah. Uh, and also launching a startup. At the same time. <laughs> it's like time birthing two babies. Baby. Yeah. Exactly. Two yeah. babies. So. Uh, and still to date, right? I, I still don't feel like it's work because I'm so passionate about it. I enjoy it. Um, I give it my, you know, over 100% because I, I truly believe in what we're building. Yeah, uh, I think that's so important, right? Uh, I, as, as I think so. And I and I, I think that some pe- people forget that, right? And I, I remember when I was growing up and people would say to me, oh, when you love what you're doing, then it doesn't feel like work. And I used to just like be like, okay, what are they smoking, right? Like, this just doesn't <laughs> feel right. And I think once you actually start doing work you love with the people yeah. you love in and the way that you want to do it on your terms, it it actually like I feel it. I wake up every day being so excited to serve, you know, the entrepreneurs that I work with and to deliver value and to like I, I feel like a sense of purpose of why I'm here. And so I love that you have found that and yeah. that you're you are, you know you know, birthing these two babies and bringing them to life. And I think it's so, you know, and it's challenging. Right. And that's the other thing is a lot of people will say, well, now is not the right time. I've got a young child at home and reality is there's never a good time. You just have to go for it. And both can exist, right. Both can be true for you. You can, you can have success in both areas. Yeah. Um, But I, I, you know, I I really want to thank you uh, because people like you, and all of these other resources that are helping entrepreneurs be successful, share their stories, you know, learn from others. I think it's people like you that are really helping, uh, you know, the entrepreneurs that are out there in terms of building their, you know, building their visions, helping their dreams come true and helping connecting them with the right people to, you know, continue building what they're trying to yeah. build. So thank I you think, and everyone else like you that's really helping. Oh, you. I appreciate that so much. And I, I think I, I do it personally because I know what it's like to not have that support. And so, and I also know like, okay, if I had that support, then this is how much better my ideas or business or ability to execute would be. And so I found a real, you know, purpose 
through that to say like, oh my gosh, there's so many people out there who have these ideas and they don't have the resources or they don't have the right people surrounding them to get their ideas off the ground or to, yeah. to make this real idea that is mm-hmm. actually going to create some impact in the world in a really positive way. Um, they're not able to get it off the ground for sometimes simple reasons, right? Mm -hmm. Like not because their idea is not good, but maybe they didn't have the right circle around them. And I'm trying to change that. So I appreciate you for recognizing that because this is kind of why I do what I do. And this is also why I tell the stories of the people who are building these amazing uh, businesses and really changing what the future will look like in, in certain industries. And, you know, for your industry, for real estate, like things will be very different five years from now because souk exists you know it's gonna actually put it will it's gonna actually make all the others out there say like we got to step up our game and that's gonna be such a good thing for the end user and customer experience yeah for sure so before we cap off i'd love to ask you and i ask all my guests this question but you know, what are you listening to these days? Are there, is there a podcast or a book that you can recommend to our audience? Yeah, so uh, definitely podcasts um, uh, in, in the real estate and prop tech space. Uh, you know, we just became uh, members of the prop tech collective. So I think that's a great source. Um, in, in prop tech, I'm, I'm really seeing a lot of accelerators uh, come through. So I'm, I'm subscribed to a lot of those. Again, they're very specific to uh, prop tech. Yeah. Uh, so I definitely find it helpful. And then um, also looking at globally where PropTech is going and not just North America, uh, because mm-hmm. I feel like oftentimes, you know, especially with me born in, you know, uh, in Pakistan, growing, growing up in Saudi Arabia, I've done a bit of traveling. So I've seen how things are happening in other countries. And, and a lot of times we're sort of, you know, uh, tunnel vision and sort of stuck sure. in our way. I think it's so important to continue looking outside and seeing how things are happening there and try to sort of, you know, bring that back to, uh, to, to Canadian. So we're, that's something that I spend a lot of time looking at, you know, uh, in external countries, how people are uh, sort of pursuing real estate and seeing if there's anything that we can do here uh, better. Absolutely. Like globally, the trends in real estate, like, you know, we are often kind of behind here in North America. Right. And so if you look to Europe, even if you look to the Middle East, there's some really exciting projects going on around the world, even Southeast Asia, like pretty much everywhere. So you can draw inspiration and, and sometimes the best ideas actually come from saying, well, this already works in this country and we just don't have this here. So some version of it will probably work here too. So I love that you are just so immersed in, in all things real estate. And that's what happens when you're in the, in flow and in your, in the right space, you just want to be surrounded by that stuff. And you, you can tell someone loves what they do when even in their spare time, they're still listening to real estate stuff. So (laughs) I love that. I love that. Thank you. Um, so how can our listeners engage with you online? We'll add, you know, your, your tags to the show notes. Yeah. I mean, um, souk.ca, uh, we have live chat that's connected to me and everybody else in the team. So okay, would encourage them. Otherwise, you know, LinkedIn is a great place to connect. Um, and I, I'd love to, you know, share our stories, what we're doing that's helping us and even other entrepreneurs that are looking to go through uh, similar journeys, happy to connect with them uh, virtually or in person if they're in Toronto and uh, sort of, you know, share our experiences with Souk. Awesome. Thank you so much, Amir. It has been such a pleasure chatting with you today. And I'm so excited for your journey. And we'll be sure to keep our audience updated as you progress. So thank you again for your time. Our pleasure to be here today. Yeah.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Futura Talks. I hope it has left you inspired and motivated to pursue your dreams, find your calling, and follow your heart in your life and business. If you enjoyed this conversation, it would mean so much to me if you would consider leaving a review and better yet, sharing this episode with someone who will be inspired to start building their own Futura. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and I will see you next week.